So how we produce food, how we engage and become good stewards of the land and its resources connected in new and different ways. There can be really radically uneven impacts of efforts to secure the water supply for a climate change future. We had schools shutting down. You literally can't go outside in many parts of the state because you can't breathe. Welcome to Securing Justice, a podcast series created by the California Center for Ethics and Policy, or CCEP, at Cal Poly Pomona. The focus of our podcast is on climate justice, an issue that affects people worldwide, particularly where inequality is greatest, but which is often disguised or invisible. My name is Nicole Lambrew, lecturer of urban planning at Cal Poly Pomona, executive director at Tinkercraft Design and Advocacy Group, and faculty fellow with CCEP. This podcast will explore issues surrounding climate change and inequality through a variety of means, panel discussions, interviews, and creative works by faculty and students. Our aim is not necessarily to debate approaches to climate change in California, though you will find some of that here, but rather to examine the multiple ways in which climate change is experienced by different peoples and communities with a lens on the question of justice. From artists and activists to philosophers and policy wonks, we hope to provide listeners with a varied and nuanced look at how climate issues affect the lives of Californians and others. The most extreme climate injustices are yet to come. And Ava Rees and Christian Arduz take a closer look at the implications of climate change for housing insecurity and precarity. California has both a housing crisis and a climate one, but we tend to deal with those topics separately. Ava and Christian ask the difficult question of how unhoused individuals deal with current and future climate extremes. They interview various stakeholders, including housing justice advocates, to try to have a meaningful discussion around and to understand the implications of these intersecting vulnerabilities. We ask that if you like what you hear, if you care about these issues, please share our podcast with your friends, family, and colleagues. Let's listen in to see what Ava and Christian found out. Thanks for listening. podcast episode for the California Center for Ethics and Policy. My name is Ava Rees and I'm alongside my co-host Christian and so for we're part of the California Center for Ethics and Policy and our mission is to um, foster engagement and inform dialogue concerning ethics and policy challenges that California has faced in the past years and seeing this as an opportunity to exercise um, national and global leadership, thus also helping California and other regions identify and implement reasoned um, evidence-based solutions to these common challenges. Um, This year's theme in the CEP is on the climate crisis, which is our focus for the podcast. And last year's theme was on the housing crisis and for our um, Christianized podcast, we are hoping to focus on intersecting these two elements. The real dire uh, catastrophic effects of climate change are are yet to come when it comes to LA, for example. But 
it will come and that's why we think it's an important topic for us to discuss because it's not talked about enough and it's just going to get a lot more hectic in the years to come but it was actually Ava's idea to pick this topic so we can start off with that Ava why was it your first choice uh, to pick this topic well since our focus is on California I think it's well known that California does have a homelessness crisis as well as a climate change crisis and I was really interested in how these two intersect with each other because it's obviously very much due because we have extreme weather conditions and with the homeless population that we currently have there's you know, thousands of people that are unhoused. So how do they deal with these um, issues relating to climate change when these people, when they're unhoused and they don't have the resources that people such as us have? And I was interested in maybe during the podcast was to interview people in particular that are dealing with this, who are currently homeless and also activists who um, are attempting to address um, things in regards to the climate and housing crises in California. Um, yeah. What else, what interests you about doing this, Christian, since we're working on it together? One of the things that really caught my attention about this problem is how systemic it turns out to be when you really dig into it. And I think it's both of our interests looking at the socio-political side of these things. But when we look at this problem, we see that what aggravates it more than anything is the particular social economic condition that we're under here in the US. I say this because I think if we were in other in another country like Scandinavia where they have a larger social safety net, it wouldn't be as bad as a, as a situation as we have, but due to the inequality the lack of social safety net that we have here in the US, a, a little better in California than other countries and than other states, obviously, but still we have a lot of work to do. I think that's what aggravates it more because uh, if these people that have historically been undermined and, and just put to the side for other policy matters, if we don't do something more to enlarge our social safety net, then I think I think we're really heading towards a, a bad direction at the moment. And that's one of the things that interested me. Yeah, when you bring up the systematic issues, I think when people in general think of climate change, they're more thinking of, you know, the wildfires, the deforestation, and like the displacement of animals and plant life. They don't really, you know, I'm I don't think it's really um, a common theme where people are thinking about the homelessness population as well, as much as they should, I should say. I think in the, or the years coming on to now that it's becoming more of an issue and people are starting to realize that um, the current programs that we have and the system that is currently implemented is contributing to climate change and is com contributing to the housing crisis as well. And there's something that needs to be addressed that intersects between these two. Yeah, and a lot like other topics, the more you dig into this one, the more, the more uh, or for lack of a better word, the more depressing it gets because uh, a lot of the effects of climate change are already impacting the homeless community. In many cities across the country, there has been numerous, and I mean numerous reports of, of 
dozens upon dozens of people dying in the streets due to uh, heat strokes, just basically because it's really hot. And, and not a lot has been done for this. Uh, steps have been taken, but, uh, you know, obviously if people are dying on the streets, more steps need to be taken. And, yeah. and yeah, and then you begin to find other reports like this uh, all over the place. Yeah, when um, recent, I think it was a few years ago relating to the extreme weather that this is not related to um, the California climate because it um, gets pretty hot during the summer here. But thinking about Chicago's weather and how the homelessness um, a lot of there's they freeze to death and there's really the shelters are so overrun that people aren't able to seek shelter during these massive storms that take place which um can also be connected back to how overflowed the california um, shelters are and how you know during the summer um in our second episode we're going to interview a gentleman who a homeless gentleman who describes how they shut off water during the summer and how he has to you know, um, ration out the water that he's able to get because he's unable to get some from the fountains because they have to turn them off due to the drought that California is currently in. So all these um, factors of climate change also are contributing to the homeless homelessness crisis and vice versa, which is, a, I think, <clears throat> for our podcast is a very important issue because obviously this intersects to the point where they can't even be separated to some extent in regards to the California system. Yeah, I think a quote I read from the Center for American Progress puts it pretty nicely. It says that the climate change is an extreme weather is a affordable housing crisis multiplier in that it it just increases the problems we have. Another problem that was that is largely discussed not in the academic world, but in articles here and there is that the heat, the increase in heat is also can going to increase the transmission of diseases because uh, the diseases, I guess, they, they're able to transmit themselves in, in a faster pace in, a, in hotter weather. And I mean, if you don't have a home and you're outside all the time, that's really not going to be a good situation for you. And uh, talking about diseases, and if something like, like, uh, like COVID happens in the upcoming decades, which, you know, is talked about, it's just going to be worse because one of the things that I read off one on another place is that a lot of times when it's super hot, or I guess even when it's super cold, I guess, a lot of, a lot of people that are experiencing homelessness, they go to libraries or other public facilities to seek shelter, at least temporarily, for a couple hours. But if something like pandemics hit and libraries are closed and other public facilities are closed, then, then these people are not going to have any other option than to stick it out and be outside. And you add this on top of other things, uh, things like a pandemic are going to bring about. And it's just, it's not going to look good if, if we're in those type of situations in the future, too. Yeah, so when we're thinking about the housing crisis and climate change as well as climate change is obviously progressing to extents to where we probably cannot control it. It's going to get to the point where that, you know, as you mentioned with COVID, you know, the weather is going to increase to points where people are going to have to seek shelter no matter what, either it be through, you know, libraries or other means. And they're 
if the it's obvious that we're probably going to have many pandemics to come to where it's going to be probably impossible for people to you know to not catch it and they're going to have to seek shelter during these times of extreme weather and they're going to you know be um, at more of a risk than other people who are able to you know be in you know their own housing unit or their own yeah their own housing unit or apartment when the homelessness are not given this advantage and are at more risk than say the average person was even in the instance with COVID they were probably at more risk than most people in terms of um, disease um, spread yeah yeah and I feel like I'm saying this a lot but on top of this uh, some reports state that climate change is actually going to increase the homeless population due to fires and all that and then maybe other homeless people that this does happen other homeless people come from different states to LA for various reasons so <laughs> on top of all the stuff that we're saying uh, climate change might also cause the increase in the homeless population so that's another thing to keep in mind yeah. Also, I think I mentioned before when I say that climate activists, some the focus has been on a while and like the pr preservation of nature, but also with the wildfires and deforestation, it also does affect homeowners who in turn do become homeless, which is an issue. So, which is why we're doing this podcast because we're trying to find a medium where we can focus on the effects of climate change, the effects of homelessness, the effects of the housing crisis in California. And like what can be done to or be implemented to help um, possibly maybe prevent or these um, issues in the future and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really important that we're doing something like this and not maybe uh, doing something more academically minded, like a paper, like submitting a paper to a journal is because I think for us as a society to really do something about this, we have to sort of touch the, the sentimental part of what gets people going, you know, because not a, a lot of times an academic article gets people going, but something that gets their emotions running. And, and when you really consider, because not a lot of people are homeless, like I can say personally, uh, thankfully, I've never been homeless. I've had some tough conditions in my life, but I've never been homeless. So I can't even imagine what it could be uh, thinking not having that you're not going to have a roof over your head for the next couple of days. So I think if we can, if we can at least get to a, a place in this project where we can put the audience in a situation where they can imagine themselves being in the position of not having a roof over your head, I think that would go a long way. Yeah, so for the first episode, we are actually going to be doing a little bit of, I could say, I wouldn't call it maybe a simulation of how it feels to walk around in um, hot weather. Um, where we currently are recording it, it's not the extreme heat of the summer, but it's still, I would say, taxing to walk around in even 88 degree to 90 degree weather in California with how humid it can get. So that's one of our focuses is to bridge uh, understanding between people who are housed and people to the un to understand how it's not to f who who are unable to have re the resources that 
um, a privileged person such as us has and how we can better understand um, climate change in this instance as well and how it affects the homeless. Because I think when people typically think of the homeless population, they are more focused on like that their displacement may be caused by mental illness or um, drug addiction or any type of maybe abuse conditions type stuff like that. And they don't really consider maybe, as you mentioned, climate change as well, or even if it's caused by things such as, you know, displacement or um, drug addiction, that how the climate change um, contributes to the suffering of these people. So our podcast is really focusing on, on how we can um, address these issues and how we can become um, better aware as well. Yeah, so we hope we can do a good job in demonstrating how much of an urgent problem this is. And just like the entire problem of climate change, that we can't really sit around and wait for, for politicians uh, to do something about it on their own, that maybe it's a good job for constituents like us to try to do anything we can beforehand before the really big comet hits, uh, metaphorically speaking. So I hope I hope we can do that. Yeah, so this will be our first episode. We are going to be a two-parter. The first episode is going to be more of, well, this introduction of us talking. And it's also going to be a little bit of a demo of us doing our thoughts while we go on a little walk because um, in the connection of climate change and homelessness, wanted to kind of do a little simulator of how it feels to walk in uncomfortable weather conditions and how it feels to um, just be in that moment and maybe write down some of our thoughts in kind of a saying like a meditative type state thing. And for our second episode, we're going to have two interviews. One would be with a gentleman we met in downtown Pomona who is homeless and who has been through a couple summers in the Los Angeles heat. And also we're interviewing a housing advocate from Los Angeles whose focus is on housing the homeless and getting better um, laws that are in protect in regards to protection for affordable housing as well. So we hope everyone enjoys this episode as well as our second episode. And thank you for listening and we really appreciate your time. try to do this I went on a jog so I can at least try to put myself <laughs> in a situation where I can feel what people experiencing homelessness and hot conditions feel and one of the things that came to my mind is for all of you that are listening to this you can do this too I started to think there could be different ways for for 
for people to do this for example you can on a really hot day turn off your AC in your car or in your house and maybe put a lot of layers of clothes and maybe do some exercise so that you can begin to feel at least a little bit what these people feel when they're out there and one of the things that came to my mind too when I was out there and when I was watching cars go by is that even though it's not a hot hot day it's only moderately hot a lot of people have their windows rolled up and I'm assuming it's because and it's not a cold day it's a moderately hot day I'm assuming it's because they have their AC on or else it wouldn't make sense for them to have their windows up so even and that just begins to make me ponder that the distance of comfortableness that exists between people that are unhoused and other people that have the privilege of being housed and the difference in in the feeling that they have throughout their their days and at least i right now could go and get something to drink with the money i have or maybe or at my house or maybe i could even go and get a snack but maybe these options aren't available a cooling snack aren't available for people that are experiencing homelessness due to lack of money or or other things and in the need to go somewhere to avoid this heat I, I also can't even imagine how it is like in holidays in holidays during spring or in the summer in which many places are closed and we also talked about in the intro how it could be that in cases like the pandemic where a lot of public facilities are closed people aren't going to have the options to go to the public library or go to another public facility in order to get some shade or go enjoy the AC in those kind of places and I was also noticing that and this is an obvious point but when you are in a very hot condition you begin to sweat and that causes odor to arise and at least I can go shower in a bit but I imagine uh, if I was homeless I wouldn't maybe I wouldn't be able to find a place to shower for maybe days and during the summer when a lot of days pass by and you haven't showered the odor I can I can't I can't even imagine the odor begins to really really bother you because it's just days upon days of not showering and sweating and sweating and sweating so that's another problem that people that are unhoused have to have to worry about and and now I'm beginning to cool down 
and refreshing but I also noticed that during the times of my jog where I was really doing strenuous activity I noticed that my mental state began to change and I began to get in a in a mood that wasn't very pleasant in a mood that I know that if someone did something that ticked me off I wouldn't respond to it I would react more than respond to it I would react to it in a different way than I would now so I think one of the things that he also does is it affects even I, I can I can't even imagine again people actually have mental conditions but even if you don't have something like that just the mental state that the heat puts you in is not a good thing it's a, it puts you in a very in a very bad mood in a sense and and if you're in these sort of conditions day in and day out you can begin to ask questions like like what is the value of me being of me being here if, if I don't have any any sort of protection if no one's uh, looking out for me and I think the heat just makes all of these sort of wanderings and in, in these states of mind even worse it's a it's a sort of multiplier effect just been about 30 minutes um so far starting to feel a bit hot i guess i've drank some of the water right now i'm kind of walking in a shady area so it's not as bad um probably gonna sit down in the next couple minutes because is the sun does start to um is starting to have a pretty big effect on just how I'm kind of moving right now it's just a bit irritating but so far I don't feel that bad yet but I'm gonna keep going try to go for another hour or so and see if I can get a sweat up and see um, how long I can so just finished sitting down I've managed to drink one of the water bottles I brought which um I remember from interview that my host and I did in downtown Pomona when we were discussing with the homeless gentleman he was talking about packing light and I was just thinking about how different it would be if I was walking now and it was probably significantly hotter in terms of how much I had to carry and how little I would have to carry and that there has to be some sort of balance because you can't carry everything during the summer because you know there's a risk of getting too hot and getting heat stroke or falling ill. And you gotta keep moving, especially during ex- points of extreme weather to avoid any um, to- complete totaling of your body. So yeah, walking is pretty taxing without also realizing thinking it. about, I was you know freely able to bring water with me 
in this instance, um, thinking about how they set off the water during the summer, especially in city areas, and how the homeless don't have access, you know, to these, to this need, because the city shut it off and to conserve water due to the, you know, the drought and other reasons as well of conserving water in California. So these people are stuck with having to um, preserve the little water that they have. You know, I just brought two of them. You know, it's simple for me. I could just, you know, walk back to my house. But for people on the street, it's not, it's a completely different story. So yeah, I'm thinking about how I was, you know, I'm able to freely walk down, you know, this path I'm walking down and without, you know, thinking, you know, should I be drinking you know, this water bottle right now, or should I be saving it? No, for two hours from now, I don't even know if, how hot it's going to get. Yeah, I have that luxury of thinking, well, I can just walk when home. When people in general think of the climate crisis in California, they think of stuff like the drought, the wildfires, like things in particular that really pertain to nature. And I think people do, do think of, you know, people, but in general, the homeless are pushed to the side when they, we think about the climate crisis, which is interesting because I would, you would think that in an instance of climate change that people would prioritize their own, think, I would say, purse people. But this particular group of people seems to be really pushed to the side and we, co- we focus more on like these instances that pertain to like the natural aspects of climate change rather than the needs for housing and appropriate measures for um, adequate food and water so i ended up going finishing the walk my phone ended up dying so i wasn't able to record my final thoughts so currently it's nighttime and i'm inside my house about to go to bed um So overall, the walk went well. I was able to get about, I think, did about five or so miles of walking. Overall, it was an experience of, I was in a different type of mindset while doing it. So I wasn't, you know, looking in terms of how much exercise I can get and stuff like that. It was more, how do I feel and like externally and internally in terms of the heat and stuff like that and I was trying to think of how homeless deal with it you know how they have this is a daily experience you know they don't necessarily have somewhere to go you know homeless shelters are filled up and sometimes they're not even a place that people feel safe in when they want to go to so you know they're stuck in these extreme conditions walking around trying to find a suitable place to stay and also with the terms of water and so other supplies relating to food you know that's not really an option because most of it's cut off completely or it's very limited in what they can take so when just the overall thoughts of how we the the idea that Housing should be probably a priority on a list of when thinking about climate change and how we should go about the problem. I think, as I mentioned before, we're very, people are very um, direct on the, oh, we should focus on these extreme cases of 
you know, wildfires and, you know, deforestation and stuff like that. But all in when it comes comes to these um, issues is also with people are being displaced from their homes, people are that, uh, you know, that are not displaced from their homes from climate change, that are just homeless in general. And you have to deal with these effects of climate change, you know, from a very direct point of view compared to, you know, people that are privileged such as me that don't really have to um, experience this as firsthand as, say, a homeless person will. Because I'm, you know, given the... I'm privileged enough that I'm able to have a house. to the second episode of Christian and I's podcast series for the CEEP. I am Ava Rees, and for today's episode, we are going to be showcasing two interviews that we have collected over the past few months. The first interview will be with um, a homeless individual named Jerry that we met in downtown Pomona during April, where we will be discussing how he deals with the extreme heat during the summer and what her his um, overall thoughts on being homeless and dealing with um, weather conditions. Our second interview is going to be with Dr. David Barboza, who is the director of policy and research at Abundant Housing LA, which is a pro-housing um, nonprofit advocacy organization in Southern California that hopes to tackle California's um, housing crisis. So we hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned. of living outdoors during maybe harsh uh, weather conditions like in the summer? In the summer it's difficult because it's hard to find shade and, and water. All the water outlets have been turned off in the city. Um, most of the restrooms are closed. Nobody wants to let you use their bathroom. Uh, it's hard to find water. Um, and the sun's really hot. You gotta make sure to wear a hat, cover your head. Uh, try to stay out of the sun as much as you can and just stay hydrated, water, water, water. You know, stay away from energies like sugar drinks, stay away from alcohol and, and drinks that have a lot of sugar in them. Gatorade's good, it's got sugar, it's got it's got a little bit of sugar, it's got the salt in there, it's got the electrolytes and stuff. Um, 
it's rough though, and it just sucks when it rains too. All your stuff gets wet, and you know that, that damages everything. You can't stay warm when you're when you're wet. You know. Do you have any other uh, weather-related experiences that are maybe you know? Um, what do you, what do you mean, like? Uh, like, cause right now our project is regarding the the changing weather patterns in the Los Angeles area. And okay. if there are any other experiences that you have that maybe correlate with them. Uh, not really. I've seen sunny, hot days. I've seen rainy days. You know, uh, it's all same, same, same old, same old shit. Just different day. Um, but when you're living out here, you just really—it it's just makes things, every, it makes everything a lot harder. That's all. I haven't really noticed any any changes in the weather or anything like that. It's it's been really cold, but it is a rainy month. They say April showers bring May flowers. That's the rainy month of the year. So I mean, it's supposed to be raining this time of the year. Um, but yeah, other—the only thing I really noticed is that it's been much colder than it usually is. This time of year it should be a little bit warmer, I thought. But the last few days have been like really cold at night. And have you, by any chance, had any outreach get to you by the local government or anything like that? Uh, for these things? Not the, no, not the government. Um, I mean, I get food stamps. I get GR, general relief. And um, I had to go and apply for it, of course, but I, ha but I do have it. Uh, mostly just people, just random people will come and offer me food or something to drink or uh, stuff like that. I stand here and hold a sign, you know. Hey, uh, today I need a, I need a blanket, you know. Someone will eventually give me a blanket or a couple of dollars or whatever, so I can go get something to eat or, you know, stuff like stuff that the, the food stamps won't allow you to purchase, like bar soap or toothpaste or hygiene stuff like that. But yeah, there's really other than that, there's nobody that really is coming, prepared to do anything. Travel light, don't carry around too much stuff. Um, wherever you're gonna be hanging out, make sure there's water close by. Like for me, I'm here because there's a water fountain right there. That's one of the only water sources I can find. There's a restroom over at the, at the train station, so I don't have to use the restroom outside. Stay by the water. Um, make, sure you, make sure you eat, you know. Uh, just got to take care of yourself and stay out, of the, stay out of the sun as much as you can. Stay out of the heat as much as you can. Stay in the shade. Our interview with Jerry came about a month after we interviewed David Barboza from Abundant Housing LA. Um, David described a lot of um, hardships and the treatment that homeless people within LA and Southern California in general deal with on a daily basis relating to climate change and beyond. So we thought it would be a very good part of our podcast to include that as well. So now we are moving on to the section with David Barboza from Abundant Housing LA, who discusses more of the policy making decisions and the advocacy that his organization does for um, the housing and homelessness crisis in California. My name's um, David Barboza. I'm the Director of Policy and Research for Abundant Housing LA. Um, so Abundant Housing LA is a nonprofit pro-housing advocacy organization. Um, we, our policy agenda is based on um, legalizing more homes, making homes easier to build, better funding affordable housing and protecting tenants um, in order to reduce the, the burden of high housing costs that you know, drive people into poverty um, out of LA in some cases and in, in the most extreme cases drive people into homelessness. 
Um, we also think that you know this agenda is going to be positive for um, environmental sustainability, like if we build housing near jobs and transit as opposed to sprawl, um, that lowers greenhouse gas emissions and has other environmental benefits. Um, and we're also, you know, pursuing this agenda to advance uh, racial equity um, to overcome the legacy of structurally racist housing policies like redlining um, that still show up and disparities in housing outcomes today. That's great. So um, we first wanted to ask over your time at working at the HLA, um, how have you seen um, climate change contribute to the housing crisis overall in Los Angeles? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one way in which there's a connection um, between climate change and the housing crisis is in terms of uh, like wildfires. So, you know, the fires can impact where housing can be built, they can destroy housing. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why we're, we're interested in promoting infill development. Um, but a lot of our focus is in kind of like the reverse of that, like how um, housing impacts climate. But, but there are other connections like, um, you know, like another connection could be like as temperatures rise, um, that could make it more difficult for people to get around by walking or bicycling. Um, I think in, in that kind of further feeds into the environmental problem of like greenhouse gas emissions. Um, and, and, you know, if, if, when people can use sustainable transportation like walking, cycling, and transit, um, it makes it easier to build housing too, because then we don't have to get bogged down in these debates about parking and traffic to such an extent. Um, so I, I definitely think that there are connections there um, and, and kind of like urban design considerations as well, right? Like if things are getting hot, hotter, um, then you know it, it makes sense to design streets in a certain way, like make, making sure that we have street trees and shade for people and things like that. And is there any particular issue among all of those that you just mentioned that your organization has encountered the most or has been more prevalent around? So I think a lot of the work we, that we do is, is centered around um, like advancing this policy agenda, you know, through state legislation, um, local policies and plans, um, like we're reviewing um, housing elements of general plans in LA County at the moment. Um, and so I think that the main way that climate comes up in our work is, is kind of, it, it, it's a reason to support like a more sustainable development pattern, right? Because, because we're concerned about climate change, we wanna you know, develop more infill housing near jobs and transit. Um, to, to make sure that people can live with, with lower greenhouse gas emissions. So um, what do you see as one of like the biggest challenges for the people of Los Angeles, especially the homeless when facing the housing crisis, how they, um, the issues of climate change, how do you feel the homeless are most affected by this? Yeah, so, um, you know, it's interesting to think about those connections. 
So, I mean, I think like on one level, you know, homelessness is, is it just a serious threat to people's well-being in general before we even start to consider climate change, right? Like it, it negatively, you know, negatively impacts people's ability to be healthy and safe and well if they don't have a home, right? Um, and then when we layer on, you know, considerations of, of climate change, I think one impact would be like, you know, if you're, if you're an unsheltered person experiencing homelessness, then you have to contend with um, the elements. So like during the warmer months, you have to contend with higher temperatures. Um, but, you know, climate change can also impact um, precipitation patterns. So like one of the impacts that we see is like sometimes, you know, when, when it does rain, it rains really hard, right? And then that's, that's impacting you if you're living um, outside. So I think that, um, you know, climate change may not be like top of mind for people experiencing homelessness, but it does impact, you know, their, their condition in a negative way. Um, and that, you know, I think that's just one more reason why we need to you know, ensure that everybody has an affordable home. Like we're providing that permanent supportive housing and, and support services that people need to to, to really exit homelessness. You just kind of went into it a little, but have you encountered or have you talked to others that have uh, been in situations where climate events have sort of formed a barrier between services that homeless people get or something along those lines? Um, you know, I, I can't say that I've personally had conversations like that, but um, I think you might find, like if you, if you talk to people who are, are doing like outreach um, to people experiencing homelessness on the street, um, you might find that um, stories like that come up. Um, or, you know, another, just as you're talking about that, another thing that I'm thinking about is, you know, sometimes there are um, encampments in hillside areas, which are prone to fire, right? So like if climate change is making it more likely that we're going to have uh, larger or more frequent fires than that, that can impact people who like have no choice but to live in some kind of an encampment. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think I can offer you too much like personal, like I can relate to many personal conversations like that, but I, I think you might find that those kinds of stories are out there. Do you um, feel that people facing housing insecurity or homelessness have been like barred or excluded from like engaging in decision-making processes and conversations um, in relation to like housing in Los Angeles and climate change issues? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think, you know, it, it takes a lot of privilege to be involved in these conversations oftentimes, right? Like if, if there's a, a community, you know, if you don't know where you're sleeping tonight or where your next meal is coming from, it's hard to go to like a, a public outreach meeting or a city council meeting. Um, so but that's just one thing. It's like, you know, you might just have more pressing concerns than like being civically engaged, like in that situation, right? And then another you know, thing is like people experiencing homelessness are often the targets of, you know, harassment. Um, 
on the part of the public or the police. A lot of the time, you know, it's interesting, like people say, people raise homelessness as a security concern, but actually like the concern really is in reality is kind of the reverse of that. Like it's, it's actually people experiencing homelessness who are more likely to be like the victims of violent crime than like the general public on the part of someone who's homeless, right? So, um, you know, it's just, I, I think that those are very substantial barriers. Also like, you know, if you just think about like, if you're homeless, how do you vote? What's your address? You know, how do you get mail? I mean, it's just like, there are just so many obstacles that are tied to not having a home um, that make it difficult to participate um, civically. Um, but, you know, there, and um, I remember when I was in grad school, I, I had a chance to interview um, a gentleman who, um, was formerly homeless, and then he went on to um, kind of lead one of the, the missions on Skid Row, which is an incredible story, you know, but um, I don't think the right policy response is to just expect people to pull them up, pull themselves up by their bootstraps, right? Like if people who are experiencing homelessness have so many like overlapping traumas and like these, you know, environment like the climate change impacts that kind of exacerbate everything that we've been talking about and so you know we really think that the response has to be i mean like i outlined our policy agenda right like like the for homelessness it's like we need more permanent supportive housing and support services but we also need to deal with the overall housing shortage that's pushing up home prices in generally and like pushing people into homelessness faster than we can pull them out. So it's really like taking a comprehensive approach to the problem um, where we think that we can make progress, but, but definitely like being civically engaged in that situation is extremely difficult. Going along those lines, uh, what are we doing right now in order to kind of uh, give these people more of a voice in the political and social pro progress? And if you can add on top of that, what can people that are not on the front lines like you do in order to help? Yeah, I mean, I think there are a lot of amazing organizations out there that that are engaged in you know providing shelter and services to, to people unhoused people and kind of like elevating their voices as much as possible so i think it's like you know those advocates play a, a critical role in, in trying to make sure that those lived experiences can inform policy um and then you know for for folks like myself and abundant housing who are who are not not really focused so much on like direct as like as direct service providers to the unhoused, but we're focusing on the policy problems that create homelessness. So so what we're trying to do is you know create the conditions for this problem to really be solved, right? Like not to just send in the police and shoot people from one place to another, but to really like get to the root of the problem and provide the affordable housing and support services. So we're, we're doing the political work that's needed to, um, to make sure that those policies are in place. So going off that, um, what do you think is vital to include in such housing 
and homelessness policies for the city of Los Angeles to address the issue I'm like directly on. Yeah, so, you know, in the city of Los Angeles specifically, it's like we have um, measure Triple H that um, is a local funding source for building permanent supportive housing. Um, and we think that that's positive, um, but the number of, of units that can be supported by that funding isn't enough to, to match the scale of the problem. Um, and then, you know, another thing that you see in the city of Los Angeles is, you know, there's a recent ordinance that allows the, the it's usually referred to by the code section 4118, um, but this is an ordinance that allows like a council member to designate a certain part of the district as kind of off limits to encampments. Um, and there are various, you know, justifications that they put forward for that. But, um, you know, I think whether we're talking, but I think like my answer is kind of the same, right? Like it's whether we're talking about the city of Los Angeles or any other city in LA County where we work, um, we know that we're not gonna solve this problem with policing. Like it's, it's gonna require, you know, the, 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 the public investment to create sufficient affordable housing to support services and like the, the broader land use policy change to solve the housing shortage that keeps pushing up prices. Like we, we have housing prices rising faster than people's wages, faster than inflation. Um, so unless you're an existing homeowner, you know, who with a fixed rate mortgage, like you're, you're facing those costs, you know, your, your housing costs are going up every year. Um, and it's unsustainable. Like we, we cannot solve this problem under those conditions. So, you know, we, we're advocating for, um, you know, challenging things like single family zoning um, and, and saying like, you know, we need to build apartments in more places, particularly in, um, you know, high opportunity neighborhoods near jobs and transit that have been historically exclusionary. Um, and it's, it's not that we're saying market rate housing is the only part of the solution. We also believe in, in subsidies and tenant protections, but it's like, it, it's embracing that whole package that we think is really gonna work and doing so boldly instead of just fixating on like one piece, like, you know, only caring about subsidies or only caring about supply or only caring about caring about tenant protections. It's like, it's we no, we have to do all of that. Um, and we have to think about how those different policies can be kind of internally reconciled and balanced against each other. Um, but yeah, that's what we're about. And this is gonna be the last question for me. Personally, uh, how do you see the prospects of all that you're doing and all that you see around you? Is it gonna be, you think, done on time before we hit a threshold of climate change where things are really gonna start getting a lot worse? I think our society has a lot of work to do to get to the point where we're taking climate change seriously, right? Like you saw it at the federal level when, you know, the Biden administration was putting forward um, the Build Back Better Act, like transformative investments that would have addressed climate change comprehensively. And, you know, they couldn't get it through the Senate, right? 
Um, you know, the United States government has been aware of this problem for decades. You know, James Hansen testified before Congress in 1988 about climate change. Um, you know, so it's it, every level of government, federal, state, local, has to do more to take this challenge seriously. And, you know, at the, the state and local level where we're focused and in the, the policy area where we're focused, we really want to emphasize the benefits of that, you know, infill development, new jobs and transit so people don't have to drive so much. Um, so, so you can walk or hop on a bus or a train or, you know, ride a bike on a protected bike lane instead of having to hop in a car and it's convenient. Um, where you can live close to your job instead of having to commute, you know, from the Inland Empire um, or Lancaster, right? Like, we, if we don't give people the opportunities to do that, it's going to be really hard to solve climate change because so many of, like, it's like 40% of greenhouse gas emissions in California from transportation. And, you know, good portions of the rest are from buildings. So, you know, we have to, we have to be engaged like at every level of government. And we think that um, housing policy is an important, often overlooked um, area where we can make a difference. And that comes to the end of our podcast series. Um, on behalf of Christian and I, I thank everyone for listening. And we hope that this series provided some new insight and maybe in new information into the homelessness and housing crisis in Southern California and also the climate change crisis that we're facing right now. I hope this podcast um, series has really at least opened up some new windows for our viewers to explore and new perspectives as well. Um, Once again, on behalf of Christian and I, thank you for listening and please check out all other CPE podcasts that are also listed on the CEP website. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ava Reese and Christian, CCEP Student Fellows in the spring of 2022, interview key stakeholders to find out how housing precarity and current and future extreme weather events intersect. A special thanks to all the CCEP students who worked together over the past few months to put together this podcast series and for the ongoing advice of our CCEP Faculty Fellows. And thanks to you for listening.